Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is episode 19 of season 7. Flower Child. Okay, so... Ask me what I thought about this episode. What did you think of this episode? This episode would have been a great basis for a season. Or, you know, half a season. This would have been a great episode 10. You know, I was thinking along similar lines, although not exactly the same. This would have been really good as the halfway point in this season. Yeah, episode 10. Yeah. Yeah, every every episode this season that I've liked, I've liked with the caveat that I would have liked it if it had been the basis of a season. But they're just like spraying around here, not sure what it is that they're doing with this season. And honestly, this feels like a follow-up to a plot that they dropped several episodes ago. I was gonna say, this is a Mother Gothel episode. Do y'all remember Mother Gothel? Because it feels like it's been a fair amount of time since she's shown up. I mean, the last time she was here was when we got rid of uh, Anastasia and Ivy. Yeah, remember when that was the plot? God, forever ago. Also, given what we learn about Gothel in this episode... What exactly is it that she wants the Guardian for? That plot now makes no sense. Also, the thing where I know it was Baron Samdi and he could have just been wrong, but he was like, she wants the Dark One Dagger. Apparently not. I mean, she might. The Dark One Dagger would be better for her plans than the Guardian. But, well, let's get into it and find out what Mother Gothel's motivation is. So, as a reminder, uh, Mother Gothel was trapped in the tower for reasons, so she tricked Nook into having sex with her, and then fast-tracked a baby, which grew up to be Alice, who is also Tilly, and also the Guardian, which is this mystical, vaguely defined position that can destroy the Dark One Dagger, and thus all darkness forever, I guess? Sure, Uh uh-huh. Having the baby is how she was able to escape the tower, also, previously, it seemed like there was going to be a whole plot with Jack slash Hansel being a serial killer who killed witches, but then Baron Samdi just killed him with a voodoo doll, so that's done. For basically no reason. It's weird because Baron Samdi's like, oh, I'm doing this because you failed me, and Jack's like, who are you? And Baron Samdi's like, I'm the guy who woke you up to kill witches, and he's like, but that's what I was doing, and Baron Samdi's like, yes but you didn't kill the correct witch. And he's like, how the hell am I supposed to know who the correct witch is? I didn't even know that was supposed to be my thing until now. And Baron Sam just like, shut up and killed him. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that came out of it is that Nook realized that... Magic is real, probably. Yes, because the medical examiner's report showed that this guy died from his heart being pierced from the inside without a skin being pierced. So, that's a thing. Mm. So... Hook knows that magic's probably real, and also Henry and Jacinda. Do you remember Jacinda? Do you remember the last time Jacinda got a plot? Right, remember when Cinderella was going to be the main character in this season? Like 11 million years ago. Anyway. Henry and Jacinda found out that Henry is somehow Lucy's bio dad, despite the fact that they never met under the curse before. Yeah. Also... Gothel was trying to set up a coven of eight, but then that plot got completely dropped. But the previously on reminds us of that, so I guess we're back to that. Mm. Mm. So we open many years ago. Many, many years ago, so it seems. Yes, apparently this turns out to be many, 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 many years ago. Yeah, we'll talk about that. 
but as for right now, it is merely vague, old-timey times. It seems kind of Regency era. Yeah, I was thinking, like, Regency era France. I don't know why I was thinking France. Oh, really? It seems like Regency era England to me. Yeah. But we see Gothel and another young girl who is her sister wandering through the woods. A young girl who has a tree name, so keep that in mind. Yarrow. Yarrow. They're spying on some fancy ladies inside a fancy lady house. I guess it's like a sorority or something. Okay, so I never really figured out what this fancy lady house is. They call each other sisters. There's eight of them. They don't seem to be actually related to each other. So sorority house, yeah, but that doesn't really match with Regency era, to my knowledge. I don't think sororities were a thing. They're like an order of party nuns. (laughs) Yes, yes. They are an order of party nuns. Okay, that's they're the party nuns now. So Gothel wants to go in and, you know, see what they're up to, touch all their stuff. And her sister's like, no, you can't. It's against the rules. Mother will be upset. And Gothel's like, fuck mother. I'm going to go touch some dresses. Yeah, Gothel doesn't care. As soon as the girls leave the room, she goes in and she just, as you say, touches all of the fancy party dresses or party habits, as it were, if these are in fact party nuns. Which is what they are now, from now on. One of the party dresses has a boutonniere, which is weird because, well, I guess it's a corsage. Mm. Yeah, because it's a dress. So I guess there's a corsage pinned to the dress, even though the dress isn't being worn. It's a used dress. Yes. Well, Gothel uses her magic to make the flower bud bloom. And then someone who really should be Anna Camp but isn't shows up. I swear to God, she looks so much like Anna Camp. I had to check. I I know, like fake Anna Camp, and specifically Anna Camp's character from the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Like that's just what I keep imagining her as. I was getting some Sarah Newland vibes. Yeah, yeah, a touch of that as well, especially at the end. We'll talk about that. Man, Anna Camp plays a diverse range of women who don't like other women. Yep, yep. She's your go-to blonde mean girl. Mm. Yeah. Blonde, fancy, mean girl. Yes. Anyway, fake Anna Camp sees Gothel bring the corsage to life and is like, oh my god, magic! Magic is awesome! Girls, come in and look at all of this magic! And Gothel's like, most people are frightened by magic. And Anna Camp's like, no, we think magic is super hot. Will you teach us magic? We want to learn magic. Yeah, let's be your, like, coven. Let's be coven party nuns party nun witches and they decide to god i don't know which reference to go to are they mean girling her are they heathersing her are they possibly jawbreakering her no they are 100 percent carrying her well yes as we find out they're carrying her but they but as for right now the setup is more i would say along the lines of heathers well maybe mean girls because they're Oh, I guess in Heather's, I guess Heather's also has the scene where they're like, oh, we decided you're one of us. Now we have to get you something decent to wear. Specifically after she demonstrated a talent they thought they could use. They were like, oh, Veronica, you could be useful. And your face, it's so symmetrical. If I took a meat cleaver and cut you, I'd have two perfectly matching halves. I love Heather's. Heather's is really good. 
especially the musical. Not so much the 2018 TV show, but that's a discussion. Well, for... let's not talk. Let's let's pretend that didn't exist. You mean like everyone else? Yeah, right. What's really fun is going onto the Twitter page for the 2018 Heathers and see them try to throw shade at their haters. To use the vernacular oh, of the youth. That's so sad. It is, because they're like, they're trying so hard, but God, no one wanted that 2018 Heathers. Oh, I have to tell a OkCupid okay story. All right. Which you know, but our listeners obviously don't. A guy I matched with on OkCupid okay mentioned liking the TV show OK, and I was like, oh no, it's terrible. And he was like, really? You don't like it? And so I sent him an essay about why 2018 Heathers is terrible. And his response was, okay, I guess I can see that, but maybe you're thinking a little too much about a TV show. And I was like, <laughs> oh, we are incompatible. <laughs> Unmatch. Unmatch be gone. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to not think too much about a TV show. Yeah. But if so, first, I don't think you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Secondly, we are definitely not compatible. Anyway, back in Hyperion Heights, Gothel is walking into the police station. And she goes right up to the one cop who ever gets lines in this police station. And she uses a Jedi mind trick on him. This would have been a really useful thing for her to do at, like, any other point. I... I know. I was gonna say, but she didn't have... She hadn't sucked out Ivy's magic yet. Oops. It was Ivy's, wasn't it? It was, it was Ivy's like and Drusilla's, yeah. Yeah, she hadn't sucked out Ivy and Anastasia's magic yet. And we haven't seen her since then for some reason. Yeah, there's... Maybe this is supposed... No, it's not a catch-up because we're very specifically placed in time. But she's going to use this thrall, the one cop who ever gets any lines, to find her missing sisters. I just want to put this out in the universe... She should not have enough witches to complete this coven. But yeah, given what we see in this episode? Given the fact that Hansel has killed two of them and Drizella was one of them and she left, she should be at least three witches short. Oh, yeah. Well, and did she ever bring... Uh... Madame Leota back to life? Yeah. I don't think so, so she should be at least four witches short of a coven. Four witches short of a coven. That should be our episode title. Yes. Okay. So... We cut from her mind thralling the cop into doing her bidding to Henry being like, seriously, we're in a much more interesting subplot. I have to be Lucy's dad. Okay, I was really excited about this because this is exactly what I was saying I wished the show would do, which is have everyone know about the curse, but none of them actually be awake. I, I do really like they play with something we talked about early in the show. You know, when Lucy first came to Henry's apartment and Henry was really sure that she wasn't his daughter, even though as a guy, he, you know. She could be. But it's great because Justin is like, no, we just met a few months ago. There's no way this could possibly be true. You can't possibly be Lucy's dad. And he's like, unless... Have you ever been to Cabo? And Jacinda just kind of gives him the side eye. It's great. <laughs> yes. And then Henry, of course, backtracks and is like, no, 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 if I met you, I would have remembered because you're my soulmate or whatever, my true love. It is great because they just kind of, they're having what is a really awkward moment. Well, I mean, what, imagine that conversation. Like, this is 
actual undeniable proof that what Lucy has been saying is true. But how could that possibly be? Because they don't have a magical framework. Yeah. Other than Henry's book, which is wild. It's wild to think that's true. Although, I do have to, like, Occam's razor this for a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what's more likely? I know it's not what's actually happening, but you know what's more likely? What? That there was sample contamination and that... Oh, it's... It's n- just Nick's blood. blood. Yeah. They should really get retested. <laughs> yeah. But that's not what they do. Because that would be, like, a whole nother episode about them, like, rerunning a test and a whole thing about sample contamination and also the actual efficacy of these kinds of paternity tests. And it would be kind of a deep science dive that we don't need right now, especially since we, the viewers, already know that, yes, Henry is Lucy's father. Instead, Henry jumps to the right conclusion that, no, his book is accurate, Lucy is right, he's her dad, and they're under a curse. And... Jacinda's rightfully suspicious of this. She's like, that... She is playing this pretty low-key, though. She's like, that doesn't seem very likely. Well, I like... She says, so you think that we were married and we just magically forgot about it? And it's like, yeah, that's what the curse is. We magically forgot about it. Literally magically forgot about it. And then Henry, like... Does a Ted Mosby where he's like, I loved you at first sight, but I didn't say it because I'm not a creeper. But now I can say it because it turns out that we were true loves who were separated by a curse. Yeah, he's like, look, true love at first sight is total bullshit. So I was confused about that. But then it turned out we'd been married for like eight years. So it made sense. Yeah, totally. Although I will say he did love her at first sight in... Yes. But whatever. But literal magic. Yes. But before Jacinda will believe this, she wants some sort of physical proof. And Henry's like, wait, look at this hunk of glass that clearly came off of your glass slipper. And it's like, Henry, you are going in the wrong direction now. You are increasing her skepticism. Hey, remember that one time your kid jumped into a hole in a construction site and came out with this hunk of broken glass? Wait, did I tell you about that? God, I probably didn't tell you about that. So your kid jumped into a hole in a construction site and found this piece of broken glass that's totally part of your glass slipper. And Jacinda's phone rings and she's like, oh, look, it's an excuse for me not to be here anymore. Yep, gotta go. It's a text that says this is an awkward conversation. No, actually, it says that Sabine needs help at the food truck. Because Drew has mysteriously vanished. Yep. But Henry's not buying it, even though that is what the text says. Henry's like, oh, I freaked you out. And Jacinda's like, you know what? Yes, you did. Okay, bye. (laughs) Meanwhile, Drew is at the interrogation room in the police station, and he's not happy about this because the last guy who was here was, you know, killed. Yeah, yeah. He's probably not happy about this for a few reasons. Yeah, but Hook tells him, hey, um, you know how you told me to examine the ME's report? Well, I did, and it turned out the guy was killed from the inside in an impossible manner, so how about you let me know how that happened? And Drew's like, it was magic. And Hook's like, that's impossible! And Drew's like, I don't know what else to tell you, man. It was literally fucking magic. And Hook's like, you have to do better than that? And he's like, that's the explanation! You can't just be like, explain more. I don't know how to make this more simple for you. Magic. Literally, a wizard did it. And he talks about it. Why do you think? 
Nick was targeting that cult, and Hook's like, because it's a cult, and he... Drew says, no, no, it wasn't a cult. They were witches. It was a coven. And Hook says, there's no such thing as witches. And, okay, I just... There are witches. Like, you can go to a magic store and buy magic supplies and do witch stuff. Whenever on TV shows someone's like, there's no such thing as witches, like in this or in the beginning of Charmed, which we've started watching. Yes. To prepare for our next podcast, welcome to the Hallowell Manor. I, I just... Yes, there are witches, dude. Especially Daryl in that episode when Daryl's like, uh, witches aren't real. And Andy's like, she had an altar. She was killed with a ceremonial knife and he's been killing. Even if you don't think witches are a real thing, he's been killing women who think that they are witches and do witch stuff. Which, if you do witch stuff, then you're a witch. I mean, the first episode of Charmed is literally called Something Wicca This Way Comes. Like, it's, you're aware that this is a real world thing, right? I mean, especially Baron Samdi. I mean, Baron Samdi is not a witch. Baron Samdi is a practitioner of voodoo, an actual religion in this, the real world. Yeah, like, you can buy supplies for it and, like, in stores. Not even, like, specialty stores. I mean, whatever. So. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Hook's like, there's no such thing as witches, and... Drew's like, and there's no way a man can be stabbed from the inside of his own chest. So, maybe you might want to think about which stories, Hook. You're living in one. Okay, so I didn't watch a lot of Sleepy Hollow. I only watched the first, like, five or six episodes before I just fell off of it. Yeah. But one of the things I did really like about Sleepy Hollow is that the main character... Abby. No, 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 the guy. Oh. Ichabod? Yes. It was like a Bud Crane, right? I think so. It's been a while. I, I saw the first episode, and then when I discovered that John Cho wasn't going to be reoccurring, I stopped watching. Fair enough. So I think that was just the first episode. But I liked that he was like, oh no, this is magic. And yeah, no, I'm a man of science too. I don't believe in magic, but also I believe in evidence, and the evidence is that this is magic, so that's what I'm going to go with. Well, he was... His magical witch wife sent him, like, a hundred years forward in time, so he had a pretty solid reason to believe in magic. No, no, yeah, but what I'm saying is I like that he was like, no, 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 in my time, I was the Scully, not the Mulder, but, you know, here we are, so I just, this is, I, I like that he said that out loud, that he was like, yeah, well, or, you know, in the, in the movie From Dusk Till Dawn, when the vampires unveil themselves, like, halfway through the movie. Seriously, that movie goes on for, like, half its runtime before there are vampires. Spoilers for uh, Dusk Till Dawn. Uh, yes, I'm I'm just blatantly spoiling this 20, 30-year-old movie. But it is really fun to show people from Dusk Till Dawn and not tell them that vampires show up. Yeah, if they don't know it's a vampire movie and it's just, like, a hostage movie for an hour and then all of a sudden vampires out of nowhere, it is exciting. But when the vampires show up out of nowhere, they're like, okay, listen, I didn't believe in vampires 10 minutes ago either, but those are obviously fucking vampires, so we're not going to waste our time going, but there's no such thing as vampires. I mean, it's the Oz from Buffy thing, right? Ha, huh, that explains a lot. Yeah, all you need. Which is to say, Hook, clearly it's magic. Stop wasting your time pretending there's some other explanation. I don't know if it's maybe just because we're sci-fi fantasy people, but I feel like I would just roll into it if this sort of situation happened. Yeah, I think I would too. Speaking of... I mean, we all like to think we'd be the Oz, right? Yes. 
I'm trying to think of an other character we'd more likely be. The Joyce? She freaked out pretty hard. Yeah, God, I wouldn't want to be the Joyce. Her response to finding out Buffy was a vampire slayer was less than ideal. Mm. But not unrealistic. No, no, it's true. I can't falter for it, but mm, less than ideal. I mean, I can't falter for it. It was a real dick move. Poor Buffy. It's weird that she blamed Giles for Buffy running away when... Buffy clearly left because you said if you walk out that door, you can't come back. Yeah, I mean, I guess she was blaming him for her being a slayer, but that also wasn't really on him. Which might come back this episode with someone in their guardianness, but... Yeah, huh. Anyway. Anyway. Back in Gothel's lair, Copy Cop has awoken the other witches. Although, I guess. Sure. What? Whatever. Although we only we do only see like four of them. Yeah, you're right. They're three short. Yeah. Which I guess means maybe Madame Leota is alive. I guess. Which it seemed like she needed eight. I mean, maybe she shouldn't have blown through her witch recruits. Look, this is really, really, really frustrating because having a coven of eight like that is exactly the kind of thing where you would then spend the season learning about how she had gathered all of these different witches from all of these different fairy tales. But instead, well, we'll talk about what they are instead. Especially this episode. This is a good episode, but it also sort of throws into sharp relief how disorganized the rest of the season was. Disorganized! Yes! That is the right word for this season. Because you could have had the plot... Gothel gathers the witches, Nick starts killing them, she needs to recruit new witches. Yeah, and then, like you said, she could have maybe not killed every new recruit. Also that. <sighs> yeah, see, this is why you have alternates. Oh, man. You get recruited as a witch, but then you find out you're not actually a varsity witch, you're just a first alternate witch. Sad times. Heck, that would even keep with her weird encouraging her sisters to kill each other thing. Although I guess once you're in the coven, you're in the coven for life, man. Yeah, except that... Oh, right, except she turned on Ivy. Yeah. So, what are the benefits to joining her stupid coven? I was gonna say, what are even the rules of this coven? But I guess they don't have rules, which makes sense, because you know what doesn't usually make sense to humans? Fairy logic. Fairy logic. So, back in the flashback, speaking of fairy logic, back in the flashback... Gothel has returned to her home glen, and it turns out that she is- There's, like, a wall set into the garden, like, secret garden, that she opens with a magic key that causes, like, magic to flash when she puts it into the lock. And it turns out that she is a wood nymph. Yep. That's Mother Gothel's thing. She is a wood nymph. And when she enters the glen, all of her sisters and her mother come out, and they all have, like- have you seen the mint green skin and like mint green hair and then gothel like reveals that she was wearing a glamour and she also has mint green skin and hair have you seen i think it's the snl sketch where don Cheadle is captain planet yes i I think it was a funnier die sketch yeah but yeah no that's the color and i'm i'm like that's not what trees look like well i like Trees aren't blue, and they don't have this weird kind of neon green hair, or not even, like, teal hair. It's mint green. Yeah, it's mint green. Like, these are not nature colors. I don't know what to tell you, but I do think I need to tell our listeners that there are these really, like, 
tacky party city giant butterflies and flowers stuck on the wigs. The giant party city wigs? Yes. Yes. Did they just not have budget for this episode? It's weird how very... I don't know. If you were doing a Captain Planet porn, this is what the actors would look like? Yeah, I was going to say, these look like costumes that you buy at Party City that are labeled, like, Fairy Queen. Mm. But yeah, I mean, we're saying fairies, but they are they are wood nymphs. They are the spirit of the forest or whatever. And we're going full fern gully here. Yeah, humans are like a threat to them because they hate nature and they like tear it down and Gothel should not associate with humans because of that. And Gothel's like, no, mother, you don't understand. These humans are good humans or whatever. And then Mother Nature, Mother Nature. <laughs> God, Mother Nature. I mean, that's what she is, right? Yeah, Mother Nature. Then she... Mother Nature is all like, but Gothel, you are going to become Mother Nature, so stop fucking around with the humans. Yes, you cannot both exist in our world and theirs. And Gothel's like, so I can exist in their world. Like, I can ditch this world and be just in that world is what you're telling me? That's what I'm hearing from this conversation. And Mother's like, Gothel, that would be hella dumb of you. You would be the stupidest person ever to trust the humans. But I have faith in your wisdom. Do as you will. And then reap the benefits of what you sow. And Gothel's like, wait, aren't we like wilderness creatures? Do farming metaphors really make sense for us? And Mother's like, shut up. Yeah, yep. I mean, they're wilderness creatures, and they're all dressed in red floral dresses that look like something Phoebe would have worn on Friends. So I don't even know what aesthetic they're going for here. Seriously. So Gothel is sneaking on her daughter back in Seattle, and she sees Tilly doing the handhold of lesbianness. Yes, she gets to hold hands with Margot for like five whole seconds. It's just, as she's saying goodbye to Marco, she takes her hand and squeezes it because that's how you say goodbye to people. Oh yeah, that's definitely how you say goodbye to your boyfriend or girlfriend. Especially if you just started dating. God. Whatever. So, Gothel goes up to Tilly as soon as uh, Marco leaves and she's like, Hello, daughter. And Tilly's like, okay, you're not my mother because obviously you're three years older than me also if you are my mother well then fuck you twice because you abandoned me bitch so i guess we're done with this conversation you'd think but gothel goes on this weird rant about how she's like i i know that you don't trust me because i abandoned you but i want to change i want to make you part of my family i see you except she doesn't say that which she that should. would have made sense no she says i want you to know that you're wanted until he's like i am i have people who care about me and look out for me so i can't i'm not falling for your cult because there are people who care about me i'm not someone who feels alone that you can prey on i have a whole, whole social circle also i vaguely remember tilly being freaked out by mother gothel in one of the earlier episodes she was but that was when she was like half awake yeah which is weird so when she was awake she knew that gothel was her mother and also evil right uh, maybe i guess 
Yeah, no, she was definitely awake at that moment, even though it was after she had started taking her pills again. Yeah, and she told Hook that she couldn't trust her and that Hook shouldn't give her that painting he made. But there was that moment where Gothel and Hook went off together and left Tilly alone. And it was so sad, and she was so sad, obviously, because she knew that Hook, her father, was going off with her evil mother and leaving her alone. But that was after she had started taking her pills again. God, I have no idea what's supposed to be up here. Yeah, you know who else doesn't? The writers. I mean, there's clearly no plan here. Disorganized. Alright, over at Samdi's office, Lucy shows up, and Lucy has definitely inherited the mantle of only competent character from Henry. Poor Henry. He used to have the the most powerful power in all of Once Upon a Time, the power to actually advance the plot. That's what's wrong with this season. Henry is the only person who can advance the plot, and they put Henry under the curse in this season. That was their mistake. Lucy would do much better at this if she was more involved. I feel like we see Lucy, like, once every four episodes or so lucy needed to have been a main character the way henry was in early once upon a time to propel the plot forward and they didn't do that this is pretty great though she shows up at baron samdi's office and she's like so you know what's going on right and baron samdi's like yeah dark one stole your grandmother's decursifying juice and now you want me to uncursify your dad and lucy's like look i know that you want to be boning ronnie and she's not going to be thinking about anything except decursifying her son until he gets decursified. So if you really want to bone her, you will do this so that she can be thinking about your dick instead of saving her son. And Baron Samdi is like, you make a very good point and appeal to my self-interest. I will cure your father right away. So basically, we have the two most straightforward, honest characters in the show agreeing to work together for a common goal. And it propels that plot forward. And literally... They solve this by the end of the episode. Lucy's like, hey, there's one guy who's actually straightforward about his goals and gets shit done. I'm going to talk to him. And by the end of the episode, Henry is no longer cursed. Poisoned, whatever. Yeah. He's still cursed, but he's not His poisoned. poison heart isn't poisoned anymore. I mean, it's great, but also, man, I wish halfway through the season this had happened. It's also weird that this didn't occur to Baron Samby earlier. Well, he didn't care. He, he, he didn't care if Henry was cursed or not. It, it did not affect him, so he didn't care. Actually, he he gave Ronnie the thing so she could do it herself, so she wouldn't feel like she was relying on him to solve her problems. Well, also, he did that because at that point he just wanted to get in her good graces, so he gave her some magic. So, before we move off this scene, I want to say that Baron Samdi warns Lucy that a storm of witches is brewing. <laughs> well, I was just going to say I like storm as a collective noun for witches. It is pretty good. A storm of witches. I mean, obviously, the collective noun for witches is coven, but I like a storm of witches, especially, like, if you're talking about solitary practitioners, so it wouldn't be accurate to say a coven of witches, a storm of witches. Plus, it is a pretty good turn of phrase. Brewing. Yeah. Brewing. Uh, is there witches? Okay, moving on. Do. Yeah. Is Baron Samdi someone's dad? Because that, that's a that, major... That is a dad joke. Okay. Okay. So... Back in the police station, Hook has the file about Eloise Gardner, and it says on the front of it, Eloise Gardner cult, and Hook crosses out the word cult and writes coven. God. That is not the kind of organization that is lacking in this season, Hook. That is not helping anything, but I guess it's telling us, the audience, that he's starting to believe. 
so alice bursts into his office yeah sure and she's like this woman points to the picture of gothel says she's my mother but that's bullshit right i mean look we're basically the same age but also it seems like she was telling the truth i can tell with my vague magic powers that i have sometimes and also i know that magic is real because of everything that happened last episode with me teleporting that dagger into my bag oh my god well hook tells her you know what things are weird and i think i'm slowly starting to believe in magic and also everything you've ever said has been true so maybe your sense that she's your mother is right and she is your mother hmm yeah okay well at least he's finally just going along with shit yes back in the realm of the party nuns fake anna camp has brought eloise gardner to the party with all of her other party nuns I do like her vaguely Georgia O'Keeffe pink uh, dress. Oh my! I, that, you're right, that collar does evoke something. Mm. Yes. Yes, that's quite a, quite a collar. So, she talks to Gothel about how she always has a home with the party nuns, and the sidekick party nun, I don't know what we should, uh, we find out her name at some point, but. Do we? I think we do near the end, but she has a sidekick who's very nice and seems more genuine than... Yeah, she's the she's the obligatory mean girl who maybe doesn't want to be so mean. Um, yeah, let's... She's just mean so that they won't pick on her. Yeah, and we'll call her first party nun because she... she's, the, she's the first lieutenant. I was going to call her Stormer. Oh, yeah, because she's the, she's the nice party nun. Okay, so Stormer party nun. Yeah. And also accurate for another reason. Yes. This is a, uh, that was a gem reference for those of you who aren't super up on your night, 80s? 80s? Yeah, it was 80s. 80s doll commercial cartoons. I thought you were going to say for those of you who aren't super old. Okay, um, by the way, Gem and the Holograms really kind of holds up as a children's cartoon. It's still a pretty decent show. And also the new comics that they're putting out are amazing. So I mostly, basically everything I know about Gem comes from the Gem Jam, which is an excellent podcast you should totally listen to. It's about Gem and the Holograms. Yes. I was way into Gem as a child. I can see why. Uh, There's this great bit where one of the hosts talks about how it's, it's interesting because they have to sort of funnel the things an actual pop star would go through for example scandals through a lens that can be understood by eight-year-olds so it's like a tabloid gets a hold of kimber's diary and they find out that she has a crush on another pop star and now everyone knows about it yes i do have to say about gem and the holograms as opposed to say gi joe which is also just a toy commercial cartoon Gem and the Holograms had a single creator behind it who was kind of steering it, who was Christy Marks. And that's one of the things that made it so good, is that it was the result of a singular vision. Also, it has what has to be one of the gayest episodes ever to air on children's TV. Yes, back in the, uh, back in the pre-allowed-to-be-gay-on-TV days. In the 80s. Well, 90s and, and 2000s, 90s. and yeah. And I just want to heterosexually share a uh, milkshake with you and run across the beach with you and 
and record a song with you about how much we love spending time with each other. I'm glad the comics made them an actual couple. Yeah, I was going to say, it's nice that in the comics they're canonically a couple and we don't have to, like, play gal pals anymore. Back in Once Upon a Time. Yeah, back in Once Upon a Time, the mean, of uh, the coven of party nuns has brought Gothel into a back room. It's, full a, of, it's like a greenhouse, but it's like a garden shed. Yep, full of dead flowers. And she's like, look, nothing's ever really gone. The roots are connected to the earth, and the roots can draw power from the earth. And I'm mentioning roots a lot right now because that'll probably come into the plot later. Oh, you're right. Roots are important. But I was really just thinking about the episode of Buffy in season seven when Willow is recovering and she's upstairs. She's in Buffy's room upstairs, but she talks about how like everything is connected and she's rooted to the earth, even though she's not physically touching the earth. Mm. I was remembering that speech. But yes, roots. Or the cool bit at the beginning of season seven, the first time we see Willow, where uh, she's talking to Giles about how she's sort of relearning about magic and how she was seeing magic as a tool for so long but now she's starting to connect the roots of it and she understands it's all about this interconnected system and it's not about forcing things to go in places they don't yeah which is nice but also really doesn't factor into what she does at the end of season seven the show was just trying to course correct and be like no no magic is good it's not it's not a metaphor for drugs yeah so Gothel makes a daisy grow out of the dead plant pot and Anna Camp is like, oh my god, magic is amazing. And then crushes it with her boot, her high heel, I guess. Yeah, magic. Crushes it with her heel. Yeah, magic's amazing. Amazing at sucking. Amazing at being an abomination. And now it's time to carry her. I just... I don't get how she doesn't see this going badly for her. I know, right? She's like, you're a magical creature who shouldn't exist. So how about we all grab you and taunt you and pour mud on you and rip off your clothes to see if there's scales or feathers underneath that? And okay, number one, she's a nature spirit. So she's actually the opposite of an abomination. And number two, how do you think you're not going to get exploded, fake Anna Camp? Seriously, like... Oh, you have the power to control things with your mind. And it's the same thing with mutants where it's like, well, actually, it's different with mutants because mutants, it's like, okay, we need to kill them before they can get us. This is different because it's about humiliating someone who has powers they can use to murder you. And everyone joins in except for Stormer. Who's like, oh, no, I don't want to do this, but I have to because they're my friends. I'm sorry. And runs off. And Gothel's like, shit. Well, my mother was right. Hate when that happens. So back in the real world, Gothel shows up at Ronnie's bar to creep on Margot. Yeah, she's trying to get information from her. And she's like, hi, I am completely normal and acting normal. You're Tilly's friend, right? And Margot has, like, no gift of fear and is like, here, have a drink. Yeah, she's like, I've created a whole new menu based on my travels around the world. Would you like to try something from India? And then Gothel goes off on this little poison ivy thing about how there used to be these beautiful plants in India that got destroyed and humans are terrible and they destroy all the plants. And 
Margo's like, yeah, solid. Humans are terrible. Plants are good. And Gotham's like, you are not helpful to me. She does the brain thing. The hypnotism thing that she did to the desk sergeant in the police station. And she's like, your words mean nothing. Actions are the only thing that means anything. And Margo, were she not under hypnosis, would probably be like, you know, that happened like thousands of years before I was born, right? But then Gothel takes some of her blood and walks away. And Margo wakes up and is like, ow, my finger is cut for some reason. Well, that's not worth investigating further. Eh. I mean, what are you going to do about it? Well, she actually says that the drink that she was making is infused with rose petals, so she probably just thinks she pricked it on a thorn without realizing. Mm. But also the person she was talking to is now gone. Like, she doesn't snap out of it until Gothel walks up. Was I, I, mean, was I talking to someone? Or? When you're working an eight-hour shift and sometimes it's boring, you kind of zone out sometimes. Mm. So, this is kind of great. Yeah, Hook and... Alice show up at Henry's door again, and Henry's like, guys, I'm kind of in the middle of something. Are you on the run again? Because I'll let you in if you're on the run again. What level of emergency is this? And they're like, okay, turns out you're not going to believe this, but magic is real. And he's like, oh, we have the same thing. Okay, come in. I really love how low-key Henry is this whole episode. And the fact that he lets them in. Once he discovers that they know magic is real because his apartment is full of Pepe de Silvia boards. Yep, yep. He has this whole thing. He has this whole thing. He has everyone in town's picture up and he has them all labeled and he has them all labeled trying to figure out who everyone is. And I like that underneath kelly he has a little post-it note that says my aunt question mark i i love his ronnie because he has ronnie's name three times he has ronnie over a picture of regina ronnie slash ronnie but ronnie with an a this time right ranny ranny i don't get that i don't get that either also his picture of jacinda has cinderella yeah he he has like cinda underlined and then cinderella like oh my god also, he has Sabine labeled as Tiana, which I find racist. I thought, didn't Lucy tell him about that? Did Lucy tell him that? Okay. Because otherwise, I'm like, he was like, well, she's the only black person in Seattle, and also the <laughs> only black Disney princess, so she must be Tiana. That's not terrible logic, honestly. God damn it, Disney, get your shit together. He he got this all set up very quickly. Like, I, okay, I this scene is great. See, this, this scene is amazing. And if the whole back half of the season was built off of this episode, I would love it so much more. But they all, they look at the board and just everybody has perfect face journeys. You know, Hook is like, okay, yeah, I guess this is what I, what I, what I was bargaining for. And Alice is like, yes, awesome. We're all going down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And Henry has this very good specific half proud half embarrassed look on his face he's like so i've been thinking maybe my book is real also like jacinda left his apartment like 20 minutes ago he got this all set up really fast also i have to point out we talked about the chart where he has people who we know who they are Mm -hmm. he has a separate chart that's people who are related to him with like the same pictures repeated and he reminds them of something i had forgotten which is that he found the picture of him and Regina from when he was eight. Yeah. 
And he also points out, look, Weaver has this one specific teacup with a chip in the same place as this thing in my book. And also I have this fucking chipped cup again. Like, look, there's a whole bunch of little stuff that seems like nothing. But honestly, I mean, there's a lot of it by now. Yeah, it's weird. But like the best explanation is that my book is real. So. I Occam's razor. Yeah. Yeah. So very non-suspiciously. The thrall cop calls Hook and is like, hey, a suspicious group of women suspiciously entered this abandoned theater. You should totally go check that out alone by yourself. Yeah, so Hook actually takes Alice with him and goes to check it out. I guess he's like, you should check it out with any uh, with any runaways you might happen to have with you, but not with anyone else. <laughs> if you have any homeless girls with you, they would probably come in handy here. But no other cops and probably not Henry. So Hook pulls up with Alice, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go in there and investigate. And there's actually a really sweet scene where she's like, oh my god, what if all of this is true and Eloise Gardner is my mother? And Hook is like, look, it doesn't matter if she gave birth to you. That doesn't make her a mother. Yondu's speech from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes. But also, you know, reality. He, he tells Alice that, you know, they're family, even if they're not blood-related, although that's undercut by the fact that we know they are. Yeah. Also, you know, your parents are the people who raise you. Your family is the people who love and support you. He tells Alice he's going to go in and she needs to wait in the car. And she's like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, she's like, look, you're going to need backup. And I kind of found out that I basically have magical powers last episode. Did so she, though? She teleported that knife that was talking to her into her backpack. But does she know how it got in her backpack? I mean, we don't even know that it was teleported. It could have, like flown through the city and went into her backpack no no she could have put it in there like under a under a hypnosis style thing without realizing it she could have gone into a fugue state and yeah i'm pretty sure she did like weaver had it locked up in the evidence thing yeah she would have needed magic to get in there i guess that's true back in jacinda's apartment jacinda and lucy are going through some old boxes basically to find proof that jacinda is cinderella solid and what happens every time you go through old boxes in the back of your closet you find the once upon a time book frequently but not always uh no they find the rest of the glass slipper yeah and not just by the way not just the glass slipper on its own the glass of slipper inside of a takeout bag from granny's diner like what it's pretty great it's pretty great because jacinda is freaked the fuck out i guess she didn't actually go to help uh sabine or maybe this is after she went to help sabine yeah it must be after whatever it doesn't matter but it's pretty great because lucy has this whole thing about how you need faith and faith is about believing in things even when there's no proof and then a whole bag full of proof drops into their lap yeah like I love how people talk about faith a lot on these shows, but and belief and the importance of belief, but they have so much evidence. You don't need whatever, like you said. The faith, yeah, yeah. Jacinda's faith is immediately rewarded with evidence. It would be nice if that really worked out that way, wouldn't it? Yeah. Meanwhile, Tilly and Hook are having a. They're staked out. They're still watching the the front of the theater and Tilly is so bored and she's made all of these little paper mushrooms that she stuck on the dashboard of the car because she's Alice in Wonderland don't you know 
they do sort of finish up the conversation from earlier you know uh i consider you part of my family i consider you part of my family blah 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 oh look it's gothel she's going into a building we should follow her yes also hook gives her a marmalade sandwich presumably not full of drugs this time yes so back in the flashback the way way flashback as we will find out gothel goes covered in mud back to her home and finds that it is all but it looks burned down but it's it's actually chopped down we find out with axes yeah it, it looks burned but it's been chopped and everyone's dead as hell and how did this happen anna camp sent people to chop down the forest yeah, but you need a special magic key to get into this weird dimension. Well, I think once they started chopping down the forest, the effects were felt in this dimension, regardless of the fact that it, like, they didn't actually need to be in that dimension. Ah, Narnia rules. Yes. Anyway, Mother Nature is like, Oh, this is what you get for associating with humans. All of your sisters are dead now, and I'm dying. Your mother now. So... Mother Nature is like, you're Mother Nature now. And Gothel's like, all right, I'm going to go get me some fucking revenge. And Mother Nature's like, no, don't do that. That's bad. That's not what you're supposed to do. And Mother Gothel's like, oh, you're going to stop me? Because it looks to me like you're dead. You're the man now, dog. (laughs) But yeah, she tells her, look, we're nature spirits and you have to carry that legacy forth. You are the last of us and you have to bring our goodness back into the world do the right thing i remember how i believed you would do the right thing earlier try actually doing it this time dead god was like yeah not gonna do that (laughs) yeah not it not even a little so is gothel's tree like not around the rest of them or Um, maybe she had some sort of protection because she was in the real world when this happened or maybe because she gave up being a spirit to go to that party i don't know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter (laughs) Back in Hyperion Heights, Hook and Alice walk into what is obviously a trap, and they get a couple of punches in, but then the coven and the thrall cop grab them, and Gothel's like, I'm Mother Gothel. I'm not Eloise Gardner. Ha ha! Bring them to the lair. Okay, so here's the thing. She says, I'm Mother Gothel, like that's something he should know, but even though Mother Gothel is in fact the name of the witch from Rapunzel, and thus is used entangled it's not just entangled in the story itself her name is mother gothel huh yes but i don't think that's widely known yeah i've I've read a ton of adaptations of rapunzel where the witch straight up just doesn't have a name but i and also i don't think that outside of the context of watching this season of once upon a time you would know who gothel was if someone didn't say you know the witch from Rapunzel. But she says it like Hook's gonna know what it means. Whatever. Back in the flashback, Mother Gothel, covered in mud, still wearing her party dress, comes back to the party and is like, hey, bitch, guess what? Now you're all dead. It's pretty great because Anna Camp walks up to her and she's like, guards, I want you to take out the trash. And she's like, oh, oh, really? Really, you didn't see this coming. And she just, she gestures and some roots come up and she's like, I told you, you can't forget your roots. And they impale the guards. And Yep. And then she brings up more roots to like tie up Anna Camp in a very bondage moment. And then she like, just chokes her. Just. Yeah. And she's like, you killed my family. And Anna Camp's like, uh, I may have misread the situation. 
Yeah, she totally did. And then, like, she she artisanally kills Anna Camp. She, like, has roots wrapped around her and, like, does a whole thing. And then she goes to kill Stormer. And Stormer, like, puts up a magic shield to protect herself. And is like, wait, no! I'm also a wood nymph, but I was in hiding! Please don't kill me! We don't know if she's a wood nymph. She's she says, I'm like you. Yes, yeah, she says, I'm like you, but I'm not as brave as you are. When they came for me, I just pretended to be like them so they wouldn't hurt me. I, I wish I could have been like you. I wish I could have stood up to them. Okay, here's the thing. Mother Gothel's not being brave. She has, like, an infinite amount of power, so it seems. Yeah, like, it's not brave to go into a situation where you have all of the advantages. But whatever. She takes Stormer and she's like, Alright, let's you and I kill all humans. And then they do. Yeah. Storm's like, should we go? The guards are coming. And Gothel's like, what part of kill all humans do you not get? And she does. She, like, she brings out a bunch of CGI roots. She, like, spreads them out throughout the party. And they form, um... Audrey 2s? Yeah, they form Audrey 2 heads. And I was expecting them to start eating people, but instead they just barf death gas on all of the it people at this party. It was easier to do that than to animate a bunch of roots stabbing people through the hearts. Yeah, I'm like, I guess this is easier than having them interact with people, but she better hope part of her new friend's magic power set involves not dying from plant gas. Right? Anyway, down in the basement of the movie theater. So I guess the movie theater was always Eloise Gardner's lair. Okay. So back down in the basement, she's got all the witches, and she talks about how she neglected Alice because she didn't realize that her daughter would also be magical because she's magical and that wow she really should have paid more attention to her daughter and like brought her into her coven okay so why did she do all of this shit with Rapunzel like Rapunzel legit I mean yeah Rapunzel legit never had magic her daughters did for some reason but she was testing Rapunzel to see if Rapunzel was the guardian. Okay, well, why did she want a guardian? Because all the shit with Rapunzel went down before Alice was born. Yeah. What did she want the guardian for? What was the point of anything you did in the first half of this season? It doesn't make any sense. Other than, okay, so here's what she doesn't say out loud, but which is true. She needed someone to cast the dark curse so that she could get to the world without magic, just like Rumpelstiltskin did. So presumably, we are to see that like Rumpelstiltskin, she was manipulating people behind the scenes to put them in a position to cast the dark curse. But the casting of the dark curse itself is so dumb. Like, Ivy did it for reasons... Because she didn't want to hang out with her mother and she couldn't just move out? Like. She wanted revenge on her mom for not loving her enough, so she put herself in a position where she'd be subservient to her mother, but actually she was in control, so it was okay that her mom was screaming at her all the time. So did Gothel kidnap Rapunzel so that she would have a bad relationship with her magical daughter? So that her magical daughter would feel weird when they became adults, and then she would be able to get that daughter to like feel so negatively towards her mother that she would cast a dark curse and bring them all into the world without magic yeah because this plan seems to be very focused on them being in the world without magic but also she needed anastasia because i guess anastasia had power in the world without magic and she needed to get her power back in the world without magic 
But why did Anastasia have power in the world without magic? Okay, as soon as we find out more about what's going on here, we can discuss it more because her plan doesn't make sense on multiple level? levels. Yeah. Well, anyway. So she's like, Alice, you're going to help me with my plan. And Alice is like, why Why would I help you? You killed my father, which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently it was. Who does Alice think her father is? Does she... This is not a plot line that we've been told about. Wait, I mean, it would explain, okay, it would explain why, there is a missing piece here. It would explain why Alice thought that Gothel was evil when she went into the police station without having to say that she was awake if she thought Gothel had killed her father. But earlier in this episode, she didn't seem to know who Gothel was. Which is weird because she knew who Gothel was earlier. Okay, so I feel like what's happening is there were two completely separate drafts. And things from both drafts are, like, leaking in, and they don't make any sense. I'd say you can see the seams, but it feels like it's all seams. It's all seams! This is a ragdoll of a season! But Gothel's like, I didn't kill your father. Your father's right there. I know the connection that you two have is real. Yeah, she tells her that Hook is, in fact, her father. And then she's all like, now come be in my coven or I will actually kill your father, by which I mean Hook now. And that- Alice is like, uh, fine. <laughs> I'll join you. She pulls a reverse Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but she does make sure that Gothel knows, like, I'll do this, but I'm not going to like it. Yeah, she's like, you're no mother to me. I'll do it, but it's only to save my father. And Gothel's like, that works for me. Yeah, fine. Okay. Back in the flashback, Gothel is standing in the wreckage of the world that she has destroyed and salted the earth of. She has killed all of the humans and destroyed all magic. And Stormer is like, oh, this is a bit of a bigger reaction than I was expecting. Yes, they're standing in the wood nymph glen and Stormer's like, so are we going to start your, is, I thought your revenge thing was done. And Gothel's like, no, I killed literally every human on earth tonight. Like, she killed, this is later that night. She killed all humans and destroyed all magic except for this one magic being. And here's the thing. Gothel tells Stormer that what she has done is create something that has never existed before. A world without magic. So this is the origin of our world, the world without magic. Yes, apparently somewhere way long ago in the past of our world. What? No, okay, so yeah, let's talk about this. So she says what's going to happen is some some sea creature is going to crawl out of the sea and evolve until eventually there are humans again many many thousands of years later and then she's gonna come back and fucking kill all the humans again so what we are to understand is that prior to the beginning of time the beginning of time on our time on earth yes there was a whole society that weirdly looked exactly like regency england and creatures who weirdly looked exactly like humans And they were all wiped out. And then... And for some reason that destroyed all magic on this earth. Well, I think that was a separate thing she did. I think she killed all the humans and all the magic. Why? Because she's upset, Max. I'm sorry. Go on. 
And then millions of years later, an identical species evolved and created an identical society. But this time there was no magic in the world. And that's where we're living right now. That's that's our world's origin story. So she's going to take Stormer to a different world and then wait until she finds a way to come back to this world and destroy humanity once and for all. Why wouldn't you just stay in this world? And just crush that lizard when it crawls out of the water. Yeah, apparently you're immortal-ish. Also... In all of the history of mankind, she waited until the year, like, 2016 to come back. Also, why would you destroy magic? How does that help your plan at all? She says that they're going to come back when the humans evolve again and kill them again and reclaim their land. Well, bitch, there's no one there now. Reclaim your land now. Seriously. The fuck? What is your plan? Your plan is stupid. And nonsensical, and really? Anyway, so she takes Stormer, who, you're right, does have a name, which is Serafina. She takes Stormer through a portal to, you know, fake fairy tale land, so that they can hide out for thousands, millions, 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 millions of, of years. years. They say thousands of years later. I guess evolution only takes a thousand years or so. Is a few like thousand a, years or so. Is this like a Christian fundamentalist show? Maybe. No, it's not. No, it, it's they just, definitely they just, not. They just don't know what time is. <laughs> because we know that the Greek gods are the one true faith. Oh. Okay. Yes, so... but yes, the Chiron does say, the Chiron, when we flash back to the present now, appears on the screen that says, a land without magic, thousands of years later. I mean, I mean, millions is just many, many thousands. So, so I guess it, it's not inaccurate. It's technically correct. The best kind of correct. Like, you could say thousands of seconds later. Right, exactly. You just didn't say how many thousands. Right, I mean, you could say seconds later and just mean, you know, trillions upon trillions of seconds later. So, apparently that bean wasn't the last magic on Earth because there was another scrap of magic and they're gonna... What? So, so back back in the present, Gothel is giving a speech about how humans are evil and she's taking She so she takes some of Hook's blood. Okay. She's pulling a Voldemort resurrection spell. Yeah, basically. And she she again reminds Alice that the stakes are Alice does what she wants or she kills Hook and Alice is like, "Okay, fine." And Hook is like, "No, wait, don't." Like I, let me die and save everyone else. And Alice is like, nope, sorry, man, not doing it. She grabs the cloak from one of the witches. and She puts on the cloak to join the coven officially, I guess. And I don't get this. They're going to rebirth the world with magic because Gothel's like, that one bean that I said was the last piece of magic in the last scene wasn't actually the last piece of magic i have a piece of the original magic from this world and i'm going to use that to make our world without magic a world of magic essentially so why did you destroy magic in this world in the first place or was magic tied up with humanity existing you know what i don't i don't even care anymore i just want to go back to the plot that i like which is in baron samdi's office lucy has brought the hunk of glass of cinderella's shoe to samdi and he's doing a spell using sympathetic magic so he has a a voodoo doll of henry but this one is for good instead of for 
giving him a heart attack. I really do like when they have ritual magic in this show. Yeah. And I actually really love the way this magic works. He takes the he takes the glass slipper and he like crunches it in his hand and it it CGI style shatters. And all of the pieces of glass go into the Henry Voodoo doll, which has which is made out of red straw. And the red straw turns white, symbolizing that the, the poison is gone. And then we see Henry in his apartment, and we see CGI glass, like, fly into his heart. And Henry, like, sits up straight and goes, what the hell? <laughs> it's great. And then he immediately gets a call from Jacinda, implying that that happened to her, too. Well, no, he, he gets a call from Jacinda, and she's like, look, I super believe you. Come over to my house so we can totally make out. And break the curse. Yes. Yeah, Henry, Henry, so Henry does. Henry races over to her apartment, and she's like, I found the glass slipper, it's all true. And he's like, where is the glass slipper? And she's like, I don't know, Lucy took it and ran off. I have no idea where my, where my, our child is. And Henry's like, that's great, except for the part that our daughter was running with glass, and also you don't know where she was at night. Lucy is literally the most resourceful person in Hyperion Heights. She's gonna be fine, and Henry knows it. No one should be running with broken glass. Whatever. Anyway, then Henry's all like, let's have true love's kiss. And I, okay, so the next thing that happens, I feel like is the vital part of what happens. Mm -hmm. Jacinda's like, okay, wait, I don't feel whatever Cinderella felt. Like, that's not there. But I, Jacinda, have fallen in love with Henry and totally want to make out with you. It's really great. She she talks about how Jacinda is a different person than Cinderella, how she has a different set of memories. She doesn't know who Cinderella is. At this moment, she only knows who Jacinda is, and Jacinda wants to kiss Henry, and she asks him if that's okay. And Henry's like, yeah, I totally want to make out with Jacinda. And then they do... And nothing happens. Which I believe is because Jacinda does not have her Cinderella memories. Mm. I think it's not true love's kiss because Jacinda does not have true love with Henry, even though Cinderella did. Um, But maybe it's something different because I do know that people have been teasing us that there's some weird fucked up time shit in this show. You don't think that maybe this was the weird fucked up time shit? The fact that the world without magic is... Nope, nope. I, I still think maybe this entire season takes place before the events of... Uh, the whole show. The whole show. But Jacinda and Henry kiss. Lucy comes running in and is like, Yay, the curse is broken! But it's not because I still don't remember being a princess. And they're all like, But it's okay, we believe you and we're in love. And she's like, Well, not enough in love, apparently. And then everyone looks a little worried because, oops... Yeah. So. Okay, I hate the Gothel plot, but I do love this moment in this, in the Gothel plot. Back in the basement, Gothel has all these vials of blood, okay, that she puts into Alice's hands. Alice does not have enough questions about how she got Marco's blood. She, she does. I mean, she asks her and. and She asks her how she knows about Marco. I would be worried. (laughs) Well, anyway. She says, you know, old love, which is your father, and she puts a vial of Hook's blood in her hand, and new love, which is Margot, and she puts that vial in her hand, and her heritage, which is the key that she used to open up the magical grove. And she puts that in Alice's hand. And then Alice is like, okay, and then I do what? Well, it's the way magic works. She's like, okay, so nothing happened. And then the spell kicks in, because magic only works after you assume it didn't. Yes, it is that moment that this show has done many, many times. It's true. 
this one is extra special to me because this actress, I just, her face is so perfect all of the time. Like, it's this mix of confusion and what the fuck? Like, okay, you act like I'm supposed to know what to do here, but I clearly do not. Am I just like, do I crush it? Do I wave it around? Do I eat it? What? 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 And then, of course, the magic just happens. And Hook's like, no, I'm just one life, if I am your father. Let me die and keep whatever bad stuff is happening from happening. And Alice is like, no. Hard pass, dude. Like, I'm sorry, but family is super important to me because I never really had any, and now that I do, I can't let it die. Even even though Mother Galthal's plans pretty clearly involve- We'll kill all the humans? Yeah. So then all eight witches, because suddenly there are eight witches now, I guess. Uh, yeah, they, they all stand around the, the sigil of the Coven of Eight, which is all filled with the lava-looking magic that came out of Alice when she was holding all of the items. And Gothel, like, says the magic spell, and they all hold hands to make the spell work. And there's a moment where Alice is like, um, what if I just don't hold hands? And Hook is like, don't hold her hand! And Alice is like, no, I have to. And she does, and... Alice, why? how do you think this is going to end well for Hook? They're talking, like, the spell has a lot of purging the earth type language in it. And... And that's it. Yes, the CGI magic lights up the Coven of Eight coven symbol and it looks like the end it's gonna go all end of cabin in the woods here spoilers for the end of cabin in the woods yeah i was thinking of cabin in the woods too when we were watching the scene i didn't bring it up but yeah it's definitely the feel here yes yes okay so there wasn't a natural place just i thought there was going to be a natural place to slot it in but there wasn't rumple didn't have alice destroy the dagger because he didn't want her to become the guardian become a mortal, and blah, blah, blah. Right. She was already the Guardian. She was the Guardian whether or not she destroyed the Dark One dagger. Like, Well, she... we talked last week about how it didn't make any sense that he assumed the Guardian would become a mortal. We didn't get any explanation about that. It doesn't make sense that he... A, yes, that. But also, it doesn't make sense that he assumed that she wouldn't be the guardian if she didn't destroy the dagger because she clearly already had the guardian powers okay no i think the power is the power to destroy the dagger and make it good like to launder the dark power but that you actually gain the power once you do that so she turns you into a light one yeah he has no evidence for that though i I don't know i don't know what to tell you also we've already seen the light one also, it's really, really a cold reheat of the whole Dark Swan season. Yeah, so we complained a lot about this episode, and honestly, I think there are a lot of things to complain about this episode. Mother Gothel, you, she shouldn't get her motivation this late in the season. This is episode 19 There are literally 22. There are three episodes left, and the thing is, you know what? I don't think I like this episode. I think I would have liked this episode if it was episode 11. Of course. Well, but... every episode I've liked so far in this back half of the season, I would have liked if it was episode 11. Yeah. It's just, it's, you you can't just dump all of your plot stuff out right at the end. Like, you can't go, by the way, everything mattered because of this. Well, 
I mean, to go back to what you said before, this is this is going to be my watchword for the next three episodes, I suspect. Disorganized. This was not a thought-out season. Speaking of, so the next episode is episode 20, mm-hmm. and it's called Is This Henry Mills? And the Netflix description is, Gothel offers Regina a deal to save her family, but the future depends on Henry regaining his memories with a fateful assist from his inner child. Ah, you think they're going to be uh, bring Jared Gilmore back? I do, which is going to be weird because Jared Gilmore is like 20 now. Yes, his his inner child who's, you know, like... His age. Five years younger than him. So, yeah, that was Flower Child. I do want to talk about fashion, though. I... Well, I really liked Anna Camp's dress, fake Anna Camp's dress. Yes, her, her very yonic dress. Yes, her incredibly yonic dress. I... I guess, actually, I answered my own question because I, I was thinking, why don't you see collars like that more? Because that was a really cool collar, but I guess that's why you don't see yeah, collars yeah. like that. I mean, you have to be fake Anna Camp to pull that off. Or, you know, real Anna Camp. Yes. I really liked all of the dresses and the cloaks that went with the dresses in the party nun scenes. And I think it really highlighted for me how much we've lost not having a lot of fairy tale flashbacks this season, especially the back half of this season. Because that's where all the great fashion comes. And especially in this season when they've taken sort of a hard turn into Regency era gowns. I mean, it could have been great. Could have been great. Also, her dress was pink and it's hard to make pink dresses not look ridiculous, but they pulled it off here. I I like pink dresses, but I can see what you mean. Like being an evil villain in a pink dress is a very specific, very hard to pull off move. Also, I feel like a lot of pink dresses do sort of have a party city princess issue. I mean, especially with with all of the taffeta like hers had. Yeah. So, do you have any recommendations this week? I do, although it's... You know what? It fits. You should read the book version of Carrie. Oh, interesting. I, I like the book version of Carrie more than almost any other Stephen King book. Because it's epistolary, and his tendency to just drone on for, like, pages after pages of boring narrative is restrained because it's epistolary. Yeah. I think uh, Carrie is probably my favorite Stephen King book. I've read a few of them. He's very, very hit or miss for me. He really needs an editor to rein him in, and the more successful and famous he gets, the harder it is for an editor to do that. I mean, the books of his I like are uh, The Shining, Carrie, and Pet Cemetery. I like Carrie, and I like his short stories. Mm. There's actually oh, and I like the book, and I like and I like the Bachman books. I like the stories he wrote as Richard Bachman. I haven't actually uh, read Pet Cemetery, but the BBC did this really good radio play of Pet Cemetery, which you should look up. It's it's well worth listening to. Oh. but well, I'm glad you that your recommendation is Carrie. Because my recommendations is of the same vein. My recommendation is Heather's. Ah. Uh. Heather's the movie, or if you are able to see the musical anywhere, Heather's the musical. Heather's the musical is so good. And when people are like, you can't do Heather's these days. Yes, you can. They did. It's the musical. Well, I mean, you can do Heather's these days. Just do Heather's. Like, it's actually, it's it's jarring to watch Heather's now because it takes place in the 80s and... In an early scene, J.D. shoots up 
the cafeteria, but with a pistol loaded with blanks. And they're like, oh, they decided not to punish him because it was loaded with blanks. Can you imagine? God, no. You know, we've never really had a book accurate carry. A, a carry a carry adaptation? Uh, yeah, there's never been an adaptation of Carrie that actually makes Carrie look like she does in the books. Because the books are clear that Carrie's fat in the books. In the oh, book. oh, oh, I, I see what you mean. Because I was like, the movie is pretty accurate to what the book is, but you mean specifically the way Carrie is described. Yeah. yeah that's true. Which, I know, it's a movie or a TV show or TV movie or whatever, but, like, it's weird that the adaptations always go away from depicting Carrie the way she's depicted in the book. She has bad skin and she's overweight. I mean, I know you say that's weird, but I feel like there are a lot of books where the protagonist is fat and then that's not what we get on screen. Well, in Ready Player One, remember, the love interest is described as Rubenesque in the books. Yeah. You're, and she was... She also has she also has a port wine birthmark covering half of her face, which is part of why she loves being in the simulation in the first place. And I think the actress has, like, a beauty mark. Of course, also the main character is supposed to be overweight in the book, too, but... Right? He, um, his weight fluctuates. He gains a lot of weight in the middle of the book, and then he loses it. Speaking of, holes. Oh, God, yeah, holes. So, yeah, basically, all of Hollywood is fatphobic. If there is any book with an overweight main protagonist, that's not what's going to happen in the movie. Where the point of the book is not about being overweight. In holes, it kind of is. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say nice things about the movie, which I, I really didn't like it. They're like, oh, you know, you couldn't have a child actor lose that much weight. And I was like, you could just be fat the whole movie. Well, it's I mean, fine. it's not even that. I, I That book is brilliant. It's one of my favorite chapter books to give to kids and the movie just didn't capture it i, I don't know that they could have i they, don't know i don't know that a movie could have captured it they did as well as they like they didn't do anything that actively honked me off i was just like it did not capture the magic of the book yeah well it's like a wrinkle in time where it's like this is it's not exactly like a wrinkle in time because the problem with a wrinkle in time is that it is a fundamentally unadaptable book yeah right it's half just metaphysical talk Wait, you, you, you don't want to watch people just chatting about metaphysics in a children's movie all the time? Yeah, no, it's there. Yeah, there's not a lot of action to watch. There's one really memorable visual scene in the book, Wrinkle in Time, in my opinion. Mm. And they, they did that well. That's when they go into the weird suburbia. Yeah. Yeah, they did a good job with that. But, like, other than that, it's not a book that really does a lot with things you can actually portray in real space with actual i was gonna say with actual people but even with like fake people cgi it uh, there's no good way to adapt a wrinkle in time i mean i like the movie wrinkle in time oh yeah i think they did as good a job as they could possibly do with that source material you know another one hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's just a bunch of rambling it's just a bunch of rambling comedic diversions like you can't put that into a movie i think the movie version's about as good as they could have done People say that the t- the old TV show is pretty good. I- I've never... I've watched it. It's okay. I-, I think the movie is better. Oof. Yeah, I know. Uh, speaking of British things that are just a series of rambling comedic diversions, Good Omens is like that too. And the Good Omens adaptation works because the Good Omens adaptation on Amazon is basically just Francis McDormand reading the book out loud to you <laughs> while British actors acted out in front of you. Which... Yeah. What you want. Kind of what I wanted, yeah. 
I feel like a lot of these things would benefit from, again, my horse for a just Harry Potter mini series, high budget mini series done by Netflix or whoever. Yeah, like an HBO mini series of Harry Potter. I'm ready for that. Yeah, because I like I haven't played the Harry Potter Go or whatever it's actually called. Yeah, I don't. The movies are fine for what they are, but they're really not good representations of the books. Well, each book encompasses a year. I feel like you need a series to do that. Yeah. And it was the same thing with the Harry Dresden TV series. I think it was USA that tried to adapt Harry Dresden into a TV series. Yeah, I saw the first couple episodes of that. Yeah, well, so each book they tried to put into a single episode. That's not that's not a good way to do a Harry Dresden TV series. It did have one of my favorite actresses who you will be hearing a lot about in our new show welcome to the uncharted territories in it though which is claudia black and i can't really hate anything that has claudia black in it i also have a lot less affection for the harry dresden books than a lot of people do so i was fine with the tv show i can't get into the books i've tried them a few times i've read like four of them and i'm just like it's too author self-inserty for me I mean, it's pretty explicitly author self-insert. Yeah. I mean, what I really, really want is, and I, I, I hope, I hope some fan fiction author will run with this because what I really want is the Susan Rodriguez Chronicles. I want the entire story told from her point of view. I mean, she gets turned into a vampire and then she just like pops in and out and we see her for a few minutes every book. She's the person whose story is interesting. Yeah, I, I just... She's basically if Fox Mulder got turned into a vampire and then went to South America to fight evil vampires. Again, my Why thing... isn't it her story? My thing with Harry Dresden always is like it's like a mary sue book for guys who are constantly talking about how bad mary sues are online holy shit that's exactly what it is like which i'm sure jim butcher is a perfectly nice person i'm sure there are lots of people who like the harry dresden books who are great but that's i like the harry dresden books see but i can't read them without thinking like this is this is emphatically not for me okay like, so wait. people should be able to enjoy their fa- their power fantasies this is just not a power fantasy i can get into i mean as long as we're talking about this and i feel like i'm okay with us having this super long diversion right now because we're done talking about the episode yes but as long as we're having this like weird trailing diversion i'm gonna tell you the thing that i hate about the harry dresden books because it's a very specific but very weird thing all right okay so harry dresden wields a staff like a wizard staff yes okay and he has um, a blasting rod. Is this that he has too ma- uh, he has too much stuff that? He- and then sometimes he has a gu- and then he also has a gun. And then he sometimes has his like shield bracelet that he has to like flip out. And then he also has his pentacle that he like blasts light out of sometimes. And when I'm trying to follow what's happening in the book, he needs to have like five or six hands for what Jim Butcher is describing. And I'm like, no, Jim Butcher, I'm just seeing this man in like this tattered bathrobe, like trying to like maintain all this stuff without dropping his blasting rod and accidentally blasting himself. I remember, I'm remembering them. As There's like no sense of place in the book. Which exactly is why I always think about fanfic when I'm reading it. It's like a, um, fan fiction writers would be good about that. I don't know. I I haven't read a ton of fanfic. It's not particularly my scene, but 
I I did read some discussions of fanfic, and there's been some talk about, okay, I don't know how many hands these characters are supposed to be having here because there's a lot of there's a lot of touching places that aren't interconnected. So this character needs to have at least five hands if this is gonna work out. Or, like, this sex scene requires each character to have at least four hands and also be a contortionist. So there's a lot of really great fanfiction out there. In fact, it's no it's no accident or fluke that AO3 Archive of Our Own was nominated for a Hugo Award this year. Mm. But, yes, sometimes you are dealing with teenagers who maybe don't have the most experience about sex writing about sex. So sometimes you do get some comedic um, things. Yeah, when you're dealing with more X-rated fanfiction. So I guess that was sort of uh, our recommendations and and, and a anti- mega diversion. Well, I was gonna say an anti-recommendation for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if you're looking for a power fantasy, you can do worse than the Harry Dresden books. So I guess that will about do it. Yeah, I guess that's about it for this episode. Welcome to Storybrooke is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or television in general, head over to our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke.